networking, that phrase actually, I'm going to say, I don't really like the phrase, but isn't it just about getting to know great people? That's essentially, when somebody said that to me, I thought, yeah, that's it. Good people meeting good people and making those connections. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with Kate Howell. Now, Kate is the former communications and engagement director for Borough Market, which is down in London, um, and more recently has shifted into more of a plural career with her non-exec work and her advisory work, where she's working with some really cool, interesting clients. So, Kate, welcome. It's a delight to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, fantastic. And we were actually super efficient with our diaries. So we managed to get this in the diary really fast. And actually, we got introduced to each other via Elena Francis, who has also been a guest on Brave Bold Brilliant. So that's the power of our networks, right? Absolutely. Elena's a brilliant, she's a great friend, honour to call her a friend, but she's, uh, yeah, we were introduced actually by a Welsh connection. You'll hear as I go on, I'm sure my Welsh accent coming out, I'm from Swansea originally. Um, but yeah, Elena's a great friend and um, through our networks and I introduced Elena to a charity that I've worked with for 15 years, School Food Matters, that she chatted about with you, about her trustee role there. So yeah, and networking, that phrase actually, I'm going to say, I don't really like the phrase, but isn't it just about getting to know great people and that's essentially when somebody said that to me I thought yeah that's it good people meeting good people and making those connections so yeah absolutely the power of all of that yeah 100% and I think we'll dig into that a little bit more but before we we do that we're going to learn all about your kind of career journey because you've had such an interesting career so far Kate but I just want to really go straight in if you if you don't mind with a question around how do you lead from a communications perspective during a time of crisis? And probably the most pertinent example, given your former role at Borough Market, was obviously the, the attack in 2017. So can you just talk us through how do you manage communications when, I mean, literally there is blood on the streets? Yeah. And I think first and foremost with that, um, and this is, is a very genuine you know, my personal thoughts, as well as everybody, I'm sure, who was involved with that remain with the families who were directly affected and lost loved ones. But um, but within that as well, you're right, I, I was communications director and you always as a good communications director have a plan in place. You know, you have a crisis plan in place. It's kept up to date. You have your contacts. That's really important to set out. But nothing will quite prepare you for the eventuality because you don't exactly know what you'll be dealing with. And I have to say, my background before um, my time at Borough, I cut my teeth in the press office of government departments. So I'd been part of the office of the Deputy Prime Minister and then the Communities and Local Government Department. And I had been part um a very junior part, you know, a small bit in a huge machine. Um, but I had seen it firsthand um, the handling around the London terror attack. So I had been part of a, a, a pull team there that were brought together um, but in a very junior capacity. So this was a completely different um, situation. Um, Borough Market, a place, um, if people haven't been, you know, it's a place of joy, it's a place of food, it's a place of connection. People go there, have a great time, meet their mates. And something like this, although the market wasn't open, it was in the evening, really shook that community. And I think first and foremost, as a comms director, you have two duties. You have a duty to inform the public, but also look after the people that are working with you. And that very much as a leader came to the fore because people themselves are in shock with, within that. People are 
at different stages of dealing with that. But you have to come together. I think there's a really important bit that kind of all status, all kind of roles kind of go out the window. You're in a different capacity as a leader within that. There is a little bit of, you know, being asked to do something and you kind of get on with it. So I came together with um, a very small group, the emergency planning team, our chair of trustees, Donald Hislop at the time, who himself was based at the Tate Modern. So we had a, a crisis meeting. Um, I was actually out of the country at the time of the attacks in the US and I flew back overnight. So I was there the, the day afterwards. In those first few days, you're very much, um, when the emergency services are, st are still involved, you're very much at taking their lead. Um, the, the the kick in for Borough and my leadership came in. We were closed. The site was closed for 10 days. Um, once the emergency services had vacated that site, we got that site back. There was a huge operational um, process to be done to get the site back for reopening. But you're also dealing with as a place that people love responding to an outpouring of emotion. And I have to say that's what came through during that time. We evolved um, very carefully a Love Borough campaign that was a virtual campaign during that time, um, just because there was a sense to keep both our external communities, so the people that loved Borough, informed, um, but also there was a huge internal communications process, which actually I would say as a leader, you know, we talk about stakeholders, but knowing and understanding your business, knowing who needs to be informed about real, really practical stuff. So the huge internal communications. And we took a role for uh, Borough Market itself is, is landlord to 130 traders there. So obviously um, we had their contact details, but we kind of became a bit of a central hub of communications for the wider community because the area that was closed off cut across so many businesses um, and big institutions like the cathedral, Southwark Cathedral. So we came together. So there were certain points within that where we had to respond very quickly. Um, and we worked towards um, an appropriate reopening of the site, um, which saw hundreds of people coming um, for a service of remembrance, um, but also a focus on reopening the space and reclaiming it. It was a, it was a really, I won't deny, it was a really tricky time. Um, there was a lot going on the day of our reopening. The, the Grenfell fires um, took place. So there was, um, I had Sadiq Khan down. I had Rupert Murdoch down. I had, you know, there was a lot to respond to. And you, you, you've got to be on the top of your game for that one. It's not something that I would want to repeat, but I have, you know, having experienced that, there are, there are, thankfully very few comms directors in the space that have actually dealt with a live situation so if I can share any of that experience to to assist people in the future and I, I think the key bit is is looking after yourself I didn't do it very well I didn't do it very well um and I actually a, a year later at the year anniversary um had burnout and I had to take some time away and I would say to anybody you know don't put yourself in that position where you feel as if you have to take it all on yourself yes you're dealing with a crisis situation but you have to look after yourself within that as well as well as caring for people um that are around you you know you've got a team around you so yeah really tricky times but um certainly something that that has shaped um you know how how I deal with communications now but also how I look after myself as a leader in that space
Mm, oh my gosh, Kate! Thank you so much for for sharing, and and you know if if it's okay with you, we'll 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 explore in a bit more detail because there is so many lessons here, and you've already shared some incredible ones. That I mean, you know, I've always in the businesses that I've run run in the travel industry, you know, sort of crisis response and crisis management. You know, I was involved in 9-11 when I was at Thompson, you know, then you have Ash Cloud, you would have deaths in the destination, there's all sorts of manner of things that that can happen, terrorist attacks in Egypt, all this kind of yeah. thing. And I think, you know, it's so important, as you said at the beginning, to, to have a robust plan. Yeah. Um, and of course, that plan gets tested in real life scenario. And it never plays out exactly as you would expect yeah. it to, because you can't, you can't foresee every eventuality. But I think that probably the the toughest that I've had to deal with, and I don't know if you found this was was sort of obvious. With you're dealing with with people that have lost loved ones, mm. you know, and there's there's nothing more um, um, emotionally charged than that. But at mm. the same time, you have to keep this cool head, don't you? You do have to do the right thing. So in a way, you almost have got this conflict of emotions around, you know, the grief. Of, of yeah. the loss of life of what's happened and the families and making sure the team are safe but at the same time you've got to hold it together and, yeah. and you you can't fall apart through that can you so how I mean and you said a year later you you kind of probably maybe there was a delayed response to, to yeah. some of that that kind of tension you found yourself what advice would you give to people that are whether it's in the communications or a leadership space but anyone that has to deal with a situation you know similar to this what would what advice would you give them as to how do you, I suppose, keep a cool head but at the same time as you want to recognize those emotions, but not let it totally distract you from being able to do the right thing for your team and for the job and for the people around you? How how can you marry those two? It's very difficult. It is it's very difficult. And it's not a situation that I think we as human beings are kind of set up for, if that makes sense. So um, but I would say uh, do some of what I didn't, which at the time, and I have done in, you know, in future, and I've learned this lesson is, yes, you know, people are looking to you for leadership, people, you know, you feel as if people, not only your team, but you've got a much wider audience within that, certainly within boroughs, you know, the eyes of the world's media, you're dealing, I, you know, I was dealing with 130 businesses that were affected, these were livelihoods, small businesses who, while the market wasn't open, their livelihoods were on the line. We had to kickstart a GoFundMe campaign to support the traders at Borough. So a number of kind of different things happening that were evolving during the time. We didn't know how long that period was going to go on for. So you're in a fight or flight situation. You, you're, you are really running on adrenaline. And what I would say is whatever it is for you, whatever your situation personally um there has to be a switch off point for you. And I think you all as leaders have to take responsibility for that. You are no good to anybody if you yourself are burnt out because you can be running that and keeping a cool head and people are looking for you for direction. You know, I was handling media, but I was also one of the representatives speaking to the media. That's a situation where you do need to be clear, uh, calm, collected. But it's okay to feel those emotions, but you need to give yourself a break. So whatever it takes for you, you know, a few hours on the sofa, you know, you do take a break. We, uh, I would strongly encourage there to be a, um, a hierarchy within the organisation as part of that plan that has clear deputies in place for something like that. There has to be a strictness around kind of going, okay, that person is out now for a couple of hours and this person is taking over. And I, as an individual, um, 
sometimes was feeling within that I can't I can't switch off you know I, I can't do that and that's where you won't be you know for me that really told it's a year later that kind of delayed response um, and it's just looking out for individuals you know um, and we're all human you're not gonna you know as you say you're coping with the situation you can have a plan in place but things change um, don't be too hard on yourself within that but I think that distinction I've been very I was very good I would say at keeping that calm collected bit I wasn't so good at, at the the bit the thing I was telling people to do which was to take a break you know take a break take some time away um and I'm much better at it now because if you don't obviously you're, you're not any good to anybody in that you know leadership role moving forward yeah you're absolutely spot on and and um you know I always it's almost the old adage you know my career in the travel industry you get on the pl- on the on the plane you know they go through the safety demonstration and they always say you know you put your own oxygen mask on yeah. first and um you know I always think that's a great analogy for kind of life really um because it, you you can't what's the other saying that I love you can't drink from an empty cup yeah um you know so so it's a real it's a real lesson that so so Kate how how have you changed then in terms of your sort of managing those emotions and sort of that self-care piece I suppose with a bit more experience a bit older and wiser as we get over the years what do you do differently now that probably will help other people listening here what are the things that that help you now um very I mean I look back and think yes I actually um probably did take too much on during that time but having done that, um, you know, I'm I'm like I think I think I'm very much like you and probably like a lot of people. I want to do everything to the, the best of my ability. You know, I'm 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 just that type of person. And I feel we um a huge amount of guilt if I can't kind of push it to to you know the potential that I see within situations, particularly within communications and what drives me is is making a difference. You know, that's been a thread through my career and where things have taken me. Um and we can touch upon this, it's, you know, it seems on paper, but it might seem an odd career path to go from um, government communications to borough market, which is, you know, within the food world. But the thread between that has been the difference that I truly think um, the projects I've worked on and, and the role at borough has made a difference to community and to people and that connection. So whether the connection comes through food, the connection comes through sustainability and, and some of the values that I've brought through. Um, I, I, kind of I've looked at that and I think I I can't make that difference if I'm 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 110% all the time so I I I found a space within it sounds really small an hour of aqua yoga is what I'm on at the moment and don't ask me how you do the downward dog in a pool because I'm not going to show you today but just whatever uh. it is for you and that hour it doesn't seem like very much I would never have given myself the permission to to take an hour out um at lunchtime and go no that's a block in my diary that's what's important I was terrible at like diary you know people put something in and I felt like I had to accept you know yes I'll have to go to that meeting no no I won't because that is that time is as as valuable and more valuable in a way so that one you know I'm much better at at management of that I'm much better at knowing myself I'm rubbish before 10 o'clock in the morning I just am it doesn't matter how much coffee you give me like so if I if you can bring some of the honesty about you as a person I say it I used to say it to my team you know like if you want the best out of me unless it's an absolute emergency let's not let's not do an eight o'clock because you know and you you just have to bring a bit of yourself and a bit of honesty um and and I found that people respond to that really and if they don't respond to it they're not your people do you know what I mean if they can't be human and you can't you can't work within that because that's how you get the best out of people 
in your team, but it's also how you can be the best for them. I'm no good to anybody if I'm um, crabby and tired and not looked after myself, you know? I'm just yeah, not you make, Yeah, you make a really interesting point about energy and knowing yourself, you know, because I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure on people, you know, 5 a.m. club and early bird and smash the day. And, you know, if you are an early person and that's right. when you're at your best, amazing, great, knock yourself out. But if you're not, and actually you're more, maybe maybe you're better in the evening or maybe you're better in the afternoon or whatever it might be, you've got to be aware of your own energy flows. And often what I see where, you know, with the clients that I work with, sometimes they're well-intended in terms of trying to do key uh, pieces of their work or their business at certain times of the day. But actually there's a misalignment between their energy when they're at their best and they're trying to do the most difficult stuff at a time when their energy is is lower or they're just not feeling it. And actually to be able to match the two is the key, isn't it? Um, And being that self-awareness, you know? I think there's there's the self-awareness within that. And you do, as you say, kind of older. I don't know about why, so definitely older. But you do, <laughs> you do, if you can't, you know, don't understand yourself within that. And of course, I'll do an eight o'clock meeting if I need to. You know, life is life and things happen. That's not the thing. But if when it is within your, your gift to, you know, I ask the question now, whenever I work with people, um, how do you prefer to work? When, wh- you know, what's your, what's your, what's your, you know, when's your good spots? And, and then you're able to start a conversation and the amount of shock I've had from you know team members um particularly when they join a team they look at me they're like wow I've never been asked that question I've never been you know I you know and you are managing you know quite large teams and you'll understand some people are morning people and some people aren't and yes if it's within your gift to say you come in then and you do that there of course there's going to be evening gigs you know especially when hospitality this is a space I've occupied for the last 12 years there's a lot of evening commitments um within that oh woe is me small violin going off in the back but actually you're on you're on duty in a way you know you do you want to meet people you want to network you want to represent you know the business that you're representing really well um and for me that means try not to have too many eight o'clock in the mornings following that you know it's um it's a balancing act but yeah knowing yourself but also trying to understand others as well we're not we're not all cut from the same cloth you know no absolutely great advice i'm just really relieved that we recorded this at midday and not early in the morning <laughs> oh i still would have been sunny for you i would have just <laughs> i would have had more coffee <laughs> Absolutely, but now we got you at the right time of day. So this is good. This is good. So, so Kate, obviously you've had a, you had a really interesting career at, at Borough, and um, we'll you know understand a little bit more. You've touched on community and food as being sort of particular areas of interest for you, and the things that motivate you. Just tell us a little bit about some of the other aspects of your career. You were 12 years at Borough. You're now in a very different stage of of kind of your career and you've decided to jump out of that more corporate role, shall we say, into being your own boss, maybe a bit more entrepreneur, a bit more flexible, a bit more of a plural career. What was the catalyst for that change for you? Um, For a number of things. I wouldn't say there was one thing. Um, uh, Within my time, so... um, at Borough, I had I only went in for a three month contract, and I was there twelve years later. So, you know, I would say, you know, I'm not one of those people that has um, life planned out in a in a in a way that's like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to I'm going to graduate, I'm going to do this and this and this. So, you know, I came out of um, 
I came out of Oxford with an English degree. And I say, like most people that have an English degree, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I knew what I didn't want to do. All my friends were training as lawyers, etc. And I um, wanted to stay in the city for a few more years. So um, got a job in publishing at Oxford University Press. And that was my first foray into communications. And I thought, oh, yeah, quite. This is OK. And then I, I made the move to London, which was a big one for me. Didn't think I was going to like it loved it loved the city loved the energy loved the opportunities you know that you know the museums on your doorstep the theatres loved it so that was my home um and I I had this you know formative um really the foundations of my career within government communications and um within that path uh strategic communications really came to the fore for me so I um you meet people in life, don't you? I met a, um, and she's still a friend and a kind of informal mentor to me, Jenny Hay, who was my boss in the strategic communications unit at, at the Office of the Deputy Prime Minister. And I thought, yeah, I can, this is something I I think I could, I could work with. Um, and I went, it's not the first time I've come out of the corporate world. So there was a point at which I had my own consultancy at that time. Um, I was, what was I, 30, I think. And... I'd done this stint, learnt a lot, and I thought well, I just want to touch upon some other things. And I, I was um, take, took contracts with the BBC, touched upon a number of these organisations. Via that, went in to help borrow market out for a three month period. They didn't have a communications function, so that was that was part of it. It wasn't a plan to have a twelve year stint somewhere, but um, the values of Borough Market and the opportunity to, I could see so much potential to to punch more than the weight that it was doing. It's this really historic, if, if people haven't been there, it's over, the, the market dates back over a thousand years. It's been on that site in, in, in Southwark for, since the 18th century. It's a charitable trust that has a mission to put a market on for the public benefit. And I was really interested working with the trustees at the time to redefine what that public benefit meant for a modern day situation and to look at um, really bringing back Borough's relevance. It had, it had been at the forefront of the food revolution in the young days of Jamie Oliver, but the food world had expanded and exploded since then. And but people might have visited Borough once a year, but it really lost its connection with London and, and the local community. So given the opportunity I had there, and, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed this for anything. I mean I it, I've really found community aspects to be and the social interaction that places like Borough Market and public spaces, they're so, so valuable to our communities. And that's really where I evolve my interests. So within my time at Borough, I have taken on three non-exec roles. So um, I serve uh, on the London uh, Markets Board, so at the GLA. So Sadiq Khan has got a dedicated board uh, talking about uh, markets and informing um, London's policy around the importance that markets themselves, whether they be food, whether they be anything else, can have um, not only to the economic situation, but also to cultural and social interaction. Because markets are places of people, aren't they? They're Absolutely. historically, they're at the heart of every centre town. You know, I'm, as I said, from Swansea. Swansea Market is at the heart of that city. But most of these haven't had the investment. Our shopping patterns have changed. We, you know, the out-of-town shopping situation and, and a lot of the um the high streets that we're seeing, you know, they're not they're they're not at their best and 
markets, I feel, can are so vital to urban development and redevelopment. And I didn't know any of that when I started. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not from a market background, but it really, I was like, yeah, this can make a real difference. So through that, that non-exec role, um, I also sit on the National Association of Markets um, and on our local business improvement district, Better Bankside's boards. And the change came thinking, okay, I really want to commit my time to this non-exec. I, 12 years, I think that's a good record. You know, I'm really proud of what I've achieved. There's been some huge shifts. Um, the best reactions when you say Borough Market, people go, I love it there. You're like, tick. Because you just, that, that place doesn't just pop up every morning and just appear. There's taken a strategy behind that that's committed to values around sustainability. And I'm, I'm really proud to have been a, a part of that. Um, and you know, the rest of my life, I've, I've relocated from London down to West Sussex, which I never thought I'd do. Um, my mum and dad are in Swansea. Mum hasn't been in the best of health. Um, and there, I've just got so many interests. And I think the only way I, I thought, well, come on, um, you can make this change. It's just one of those times in life. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm it's early days, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying being able to as I said, I like to commit when I do things. So uh, committing to the projects I'm working on and, and giving them my full attention. I, I was really starting to think I I can't do this as well as, you know, a full corporate role. And I have the opportunity now. It's just one of those times in life where you have to, all of these things come together and you have a little bit of a reassess. Yeah, no, perfect. I mean, listen, I made it, you know, my, my journey is re- some similarities, mine, because yeah. I started off in government in government as a government economist. Oh, yes. And I did the classic move down from Manchester. Oh, I'll give it two years. And then, you know, 20 odd years later, kind of, you know, really still have a home in London. You know, absolutely love the city. And so some parallels there. And then, you know, big stint in corporate. And then I also, you know, a few years ago, decided to go down the plural route and, you know, yeah. set up my advisory business, my mentoring business, my podcast, my property business, and you know, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, as you were talking, I was I was kind of nodding, going, yep. Yeah. Yeah get that get that um and you're right you know there are it's um you never say never right because an amazing job may well pop up around the corner that's just too good for you to to kind of not go for but i think having that that sort of transition from corporate to more of an entrepreneurial plural uh journey bringing with you all that amazing experience and to apply it to the people that you can support and the businesses that you work with now and the you know the non-exec roles you do it's a real joy and that flexibility I don't think you'll work you'll work less Kate you'll work at least the same if not harder but it's I, more on your terms and yeah that's probably and I think that's, I think look we all have to ultimately enjoy and and have the energy it goes back to that energy to to get up every day and want to be doing everything and um I think if you get to a stage where you're like mm, you know I I, I had a, a huge amount of um rich experience at Borough but I feel as if I want to take things further now you know and um and 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 see what happens within that and I think you're right I think I have to balance within that I'm working more absolutely when you're really enjoying it you know for me as well it's it's of course it's work I don't like this it's not work it is work because you do have a different yeah. head within it but you want to I want I want to give it my all and I want I want to see the impact on individuals I want to see the impact that you that you know 
within my space that that community because there's nothing better there's nothing better I was at an event earlier this week and completely out of context there was somebody that I'd worked with a charity Blackfriars Settlement um we were at an um the Oscars of the food world, the Golden Forks. I mean, come on, the Golden Forks. Well, you couldn't say it. But the, the charity partner was, was a charity that I'd worked with um, at Borough Market years previously. And the Tina came over to me and she just gave me this big hug. And she's like, you know, it made such a difference, Boroughs. Um, I, I work a lot in partnership. I'm a big advocate for finding partners. So if you want to deliver results and you've got a really small resource, which we which we had, partnerships um, for me are invaluable, not just networking, but helping you deliver certain objectives. So I built partnerships with the charity I mentioned, School Food Matters. We've worked with them at Borough for 11 years, teaching children to where their food comes from, the journey from growing their own fruit and veg to bringing them to market and selling them, you know, the education that goes within that. But the work and connect with schools, um, you know, I found a charity partner and, and you both gain from that. So the partnership, so Tina came running over to me and she was like, you know, it really helped Blackfriars Settlement, which is this very small charity. Um, and she just gave me a hug and I thought the human connection, that's what, yeah, I'll keep working hard for that. If I get a hug a few years down the line and a thank you, you know, that's that's a big win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I've kind of found is that very often it's not around an immediate kind of relationship that necessarily bears fruit and I'm not talking about just financial you know it can just be a, a lovely a lovely connection where you've got things in common you can support each other it's, you know it's not always about money and um, quite the opposite actually but very often it's those relationships that years later come back to you and someone says you know you really helped me there or you know you you can introduce me to someone and I'm really yeah. thankful and that can then often years down the line lead to them saying to oh you know would you be able to help me from a business point of view so I think sometimes where people get it wrong in particular when they're a bit more junior in their career in business life where it, they see the whole connection piece and the networking is quite transactional yeah. whereas it's not you know and if you get a no right now maybe it's a no it's no not at the moment but might be in the future yeah. you know so you should always be thinking around I always say lead with value be a good person put good out in the world the law of reciprocity it will work its magic at some point it's not about giving to receive um but it's amazing how years later people will come back to you and remember how you help them or how you made them feel at a time that was yeah. tough for them. And often that will lead to business and it will lead to, you know, a, a financial reward, but you've not chased the money. You've just done the right thing. I think, I think, I mean, I'm with you entirely on all of that. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's used a lot. It's on a lot of t-shirts and everything at the moment, but it's very true. Just kind of be kind, you know, it, it, and, and these really sayings that I was brought up with treat people as you want to be treated. And, if you are in a privileged position, um, you know, I mean, actually, this is good sound business advice as well. And it's brand advice. When people ask me, you know, Borough Market, um, I've helped to make Borough Market an international brand. There is an economic value to that. It's probably one of the most valuable assets and probably the most valuable asset. And this is a big landowner, bear in mind, you know, this is bricks and mortar landowner that they have. And people... Brand is not colouring in. Communications isn't colouring in. It's a strategic function. 
but brand for me is about how people feel it's their interaction within that wherever it comes be it a social media post be it a visit be it a thought if they see it if their interaction with you on every level makes them feel good um but also makes them feel as if they're contributing to somewhere that's doing good so um, and you don't do that for economics you do it i feel because it's the right thing to do and that's so important i think not only where you work but also the people you surround yourself with if you have shared values um and that's absolutely been the case so you know for borough market the reason i was there for 12 years is because i was able to shape a value set that were aligned to my value set that could could really shape a brand that could make a difference in the world but i want to do that on a personal level so whether it be you know somebody in the market you know I, I think somebody there was can you can you can you gift them a cookbook if they were struggling to you know they wanted to do it but they couldn't absolutely you'll get people writing back in years down the line and you're right then on that networking level and I'm going to call it connecting with people I, these networking events um I on International Women's Day um I was one of the founding members this year of the Better Bankside Women's Network and I don't often put myself in those situations with networking situations, but I came in and I, and I was having a coffee and it was eight o'clock in the morning. So they did really get me on a good day. And I, and I said, this is a room full of opportunity. This isn't like a scare. Because so many, like lots, and particularly women, I think, feel that, that that networking space is quite, right, we've got to be quite aggressive and I've got to prove who I've got to be and I've got to get it, you know, speed date it in a few seconds and summarise yourself. And I'm like, oh, I can't. It's eight o'clock in the morning. You know, I don't want to do that. But that's a room full of opportunity. That's a room full of connections. Yes, that might that might come in useful to you and, and might be a source of business if you're in the consultancy space that we're in. But more than that, you might just meet a really interesting person. Um, and then those things just, yeah, kind of flow out that. You're completely right. So I believe in that entirely. Yeah, fantastic. I, I mean, listen, and Borough Market is a fabulous, I mean, I have spent so many hours around there, both in terms of lunch, dinners, drinks, shopping, tasting the food, going around the stores. I love Borough Market, absolutely love it. So, you know, I'm a big advocate and obviously it's great to meet you because, you know, you you have been at the heart of creating, creating that sense of community and a place of love and fun and just that that human connection and uh, all weathers, rain or shine. So I absolutely love it. Um, and as you say, you help Borough Market become an international brand. Um, which is which is fabulous. So what I want to do now, Kay, is talk about personal branding a little bit because I think you know people are quite comfortable with um, consumer brands. You know, McDonald's, Pepsi, whatever brands may may spring to mind. Smaller brands, you know, Patagonia, Element, whatever you, whatever your brands may be. I mean, obviously, Apple, probably the most iconic brand that you could you could think of as well. But people often are less comfortable thinking about personal brand and kind of feel sometimes slightly awkward, either awkward about it in terms of themselves or the perception of someone that is putting themselves out in a, in a certain way. I might think, oh, God, that person's a bit of a big head, a bit of a show off. And, and actually, it's not that's not the case. Or sometimes it can be, but most of the time it's not the case. So can you give some words of wisdom around personal brand, what is it? 
why is it important and what are some of the things that people can do to really build their personal brand in a way that's congruent with their values that kind of fits for them and does good in the world? Yeah, you're, you're bang on. And you know what? I was one of those people. I absolutely was. And actually, I think it came from um, from my career. You know, in earlier career, I was a press officer. So you're not, you know, you used to have to buy um, a drink for everybody in the press office if you got caught on camera. So it's a complete opposite of putting yourself forward. But as you, as you, I think, evolve and find, um, I think, get comfortable with yourself. Um, and that sounds really, you, you know, understand your values um write them down what what makes you tick and then it took somebody else and don't be afraid to ask others i think is really important on this one um what their perception of you within a professional space is um good or bad because you know that you've got to be you know that um my my combination it stayed with me i i asked this what am I good at? What do you think of me um, within my team, with its consultants, sometimes that I work with, because sometimes within your team, they might not be feeling they're in a position to be honest with you. I would hope they could be. But I got answers that range from highly strategic, you know, big picture, um, drives forward. But then some of that can result in not sometimes taking people with you. And you have to really, you have to go through that journey as we all do to understand yourself. Um, and personal brand is just about what do people think about you when they think of Kate Howell, Tom's director, you know, um, and being able to talk about that quite freely. I, I'm, I took me a while, but um, and it, and I had to be um, talked to. Somebody said, "What would you do for yourself?" Well, how would you talk? How would you brand yourself and push yourself forward if you were looking like you do for Borough Market? Um, and you do that on LinkedIn um, and you say, yeah, this is this is what interests me. This is what I'm good at. Um, and, and connections come from that um, and, and you find your space. Um, and it kind of goes against the grain, I think. I don't know if it's a British thing. I don't know if it's a very particularly... Elena would say it was quite an English thing. You know, coming over from New York, she's like, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a New Yorker. We don't. And she's like, you know, you're great at this. And, and the British kind of um, kind of go, oh, am I? Oh, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? I don't really <laughs> want to say that. But if you... Even if you don't want to do it for yourself in terms of, yeah, I'm great, I'm talking about myself, that's not what it is. If you really are values-driven and you want to make a difference, think about it like this. Look after yourself in the way you look after other people within the industry, within the brands you're looking after. And if you start to talk about yourself within that space, connections come from it because people will be able to say, oh, she's really interested in what I'm interested in or, you know, if they don't know your your brand or your place within that space, they're not going to know. You're not going to have the connections for the future. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be. It's not about being big headed. It's just about saying, do you know what? I did do that and I did it quite well. And do you know what? I did do that and it didn't go as well. And I learned this. Um, so I there's a little bit of Elena New Yorker. There's a little bit of just getting a bit older and accepting it. And there's a little bit of, of um, saying, yeah, I, I did do that. I, I did it in conjunction with, I did it in partnership with. And I found by doing that only good has come because I found more of my people. I found more of people that are interested in the same things as me. I found a network of people that, that want to make a difference in the fields that I'm interested in. 
and that wouldn't have come unless I'd you know put myself out there whether it be through LinkedIn whether it be through going yes um I am gonna go to that event yes I am gonna to see the potential within opening myself up to talking to people so um conversations rebrand it in your head you're having conversations with people you don't know yet you great makes you smile it's all about people it's all about connections that's what that's what borough market's about it's about people coming together in that space of food it's what boards advisory boards are about you know you have to have your space within that i'm i'm taking the comms lead at the gla unless i'd said yeah i'll do that i'll you know i don't mind i'm really happy to do that and um don't try not to sit on the sideline if i mean you're fine if you don't if but if you're really values driven and you go yeah i can make a real difference um don't be afraid to own it yeah great advice i love that honestly that's really really helpful for people listening you know and i think um you know if you i believe everyone has greatness in them every single person has value they have something to contribute it doesn't matter whether you're the cleaner or the ceo every single person has something to share knowledge experience something amazing and if you don't put that out in the world you are doing people a disservice and you're actually being quite selfish because if you can help someone or you can support someone and i'm not talking all about charity that's great do pro bono work you know help people absolutely but even from a business point of view if you've got an amazing product you wouldn't hesitate putting it out into the world it, it, you know, under a, a company brand. So why would you not put yourself out into the world when you've got value to help people? You know, yeah. so I think it's it's almost shifting that that switch in your head, isn't it, to say actually, yeah. you know, you're being quite selfish if you don't put yourself out in the world. <laughs> I love that. I think that's um, you know, and actually, if you said that to people, I think people would take a moment. I'm sure they would to say, well, that's the that's the last thing I thought I'd be doing. I thought I'd be blowing my own trumpet. And, um, absolutely every and then everybody's got so so much to offer and I think as well if you're it's really important to do as much of the the listening and asking because if people aren't comfortable in that space you know I, I mentioned I, I asked people how they like to work a lot of the time people are just not asked they're just not asked and moving into that space and I do think you have a responsibility you know as you progress through a career or you're, you're in a space where people, you know, you can offer experience. Everybody can offer experience. But sometimes opening the space up to allow people to tell their stories, it's not always the loudest person in the room. It's not always the, mm. you know, everybody has got a huge amount to offer. And it's just, it's, it's just understanding people, I think. It's really, that's what communications is. You know, I'm a communications professional I'm in that space because I love people yeah Yeah, absolutely so as a communications professional and someone that's you know been in this field for a long long time part of that involves your voice and speaking sounds obvious but communication you're required to open your voice open your mouth and speak (laughs) now when it comes to public speaking often this is like an area that people struggle with you know it's like almost like a fate worse than death oh my god if I had to yeah. get in front of a camera or stand on the stage or even for some people just just kind of go into a meeting and do a presentation you know in front of people it can fill people with absolute dread and horror mm-hmm. and they'd rather die than like you know put themselves in that space but again 
if you've got something to share, you have to get over this. You have to put yourself out. Now, it doesn't mean to say you're not going to be nervous and feel like throwing up when you actually do. But the more you do it, the better you'll get. Now, I've learned that over the years. And every single time that I'm speaking or do something, I always feel nervous. Always, you know, yeah. people probably would think, oh, I never think that. And I go, yes, of course, but that's energy, isn't it? It's going to, yeah. you know, it means I care, right? So as a communications professional, I mean, I just wing it most of the time, Kate, although I did get some formal training on, on presenting and public speaking just to help me really get over some of those kind of hurdles. But, you know, from your point of view, what advice can you give to people that maybe have to start doing more public speaking or more meetings in front of bigger audience or, or dealing with the press? You know, if you've got to get on, on, on the BBC or whatever it might be. How do you help people with that area of, you know, getting them comfortable um, speaking publicly? Um, it's a really good one because that's been a large part of my career is getting getting um, people prepped to speak to the media, which is kind of for a lot of people like the worst experience they could possibly go through. Camera, the feeling, the pressure. You're right. Nerves are not a bad thing. It means you care. If you do care, I've always said, you know, you will have the conviction and you will have you will have the knowledge to get that across. It doesn't need to be word perfect. If you trip over a word and you're able to accept that, I'll give the example that I gave. I used to hate doing it myself. I used to train people to do it. I used to hate doing it myself. You know, literally, like, oh, you're going to have to introduce this event, and I would be, I'd be the person. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to worry about it too much. I'm going to trip over it. The best bit of advice was that that I was given, and I was given by a colleague. Is do you know what people? Most people, not everybody. Um, warm to you because you're you know you're quite I'm, I'm quite um self-deprecating whatever your vibe is just be you and I uh, and I thought yeah there's there's something in that um and I uh, at one of the uh, public speaking events when I launched um helped to launch Borough Market's last cookbook I introduced the evening and I hadn't written anything down uh, and I thought I've got these I've got these I've got to thank this person I've got to say this and then basically my job is to go welcome have a great time so as long as you can get that across you'll be fine and I was thinking oh, I'm, I'm having quite a good evening here and I got to a point in 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 saying things and I and I went nope got no idea where that's going sorry completely lost my thread there and the all the, the people relate to you you know it's not no laughter I was like okay well I'm gonna pick off probably not where I left off but I'm gonna say this and I don't don't be afraid of it's not failure it's not making a mistake you're a connection you're a human being um laugh laugh at yourself if you need to people will go with you and that's the same for any interview um oh I've forgotten to say this or I, I was making this point and I, I've forgotten where I was going with it um and if you're with an interviewer if you're in an interview situation they're professional that's what they do they'll bring you back to it TV, there'll sometimes be a second take. Live event, you're just going to connect with people. So, um, again, take the words of fear out of your head. If public speaking is something that fills you with dread, don't call it public speaking if you can. Don't call it networking. Say, yeah, I, I really care. You know, if you can go, I've got to get my point across because I've worked six months on this project and I want to get this product. So I really think this is going to make a difference to people's lives. Think about your end goal. Doesn't matter if all your words aren't exactly in the right place or you forget to say exactly that. Because if you're committed to it, believe me, you'll get people's buying because they will see that. And it doesn't matter if you're loud, quiet, 
got a Welsh accent, not that, you know, just think I I owe this to me or I owe it to the project or I owe it to the community. I owe it to the people that I'm the, the big picture. Get, get over yourself a little bit, get over that hurdle because nobody's going to remember the way you will remember yourself. All people will, will leave with is a feeling and if they've laughed, they've laughed with you. Yeah, oh, I love that. So many amazing, well, amazing pieces of advice in there. That's that's fantastic. I remember once doing a speech on imposter syndrome, right? And I had for each of the letters, you know, very negative word, isn't it? Imposter. So I said, we've got to reframe it. And for each letter, I go through, you know, what that actually means to reframe it. And the O is okay to fail, right? Yeah. So, but I, I was flailed, I, I flailed my arms around and I had a flip chart, like, a, a, you know, white, flip yeah. chart that I'd been writing on as I was doing the present as I was doing my speech and stuff I knocked the entire thing off the stage <laughs> it was about 200 people in the room and I just went there we are live demonstration it's okay to fail you know and I go, I'm scrambling around in my stilettos trying to get this bloody board and everyone was just in stitches but they were laughing with me not at me yeah. and it, honestly it was a moment and I, I could have just totally frozen and I suppose I was thought, well, you know what? Go laugh at yourself, haven't you? Sometimes what, don't take life too seriously. What's the worst that's going to happen? Um, you know, I think people will warm to you even more. As again, you know, it's not, it's, it's an honesty because half the people in that room would have been sitting there going, I can't, I can't, because she's so together, she's so together, and it just, you know, it will break that. And um, listen, I've been in so many situations. I remember one where um. I was introducing something and there were, I don't know, I was, actually, I do remember it was, um, it was during the time there were a lot of fundraisers going back to that crisis time at Borough, the, the terror attacks. And, you know, I'd been working, I was there with no makeup on, flat shoes, you know, all of these things that you, and I, and people were introducing it, you said in their stilettos and I walked up on stage, I was like, I didn't get the memo, sorry. I didn't get the memo about their heels today. And the room just went with me, you know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, no people will connect to you so um don't worry too much try not to worry too much and reframe it if you can I think that that it's okay to fail is perfect hold something like that in your head <laughs> oh my god we've got we've got so many so many stories to share over our over our <laughs> years Kay honestly you mentioned earlier you were working you did some work with Sadiq Khan what was what was that like working working alongside alongside Sadiq that must have been quite a quite a time in your career as well yeah, so that's great. Well, that's ongoing, actually. So I'm serving on his markets board at the moment in an advisory role. Um, and I've got a lot of time. I, th I think he's a really interesting politician within our our um, our current setup. I think that's um, an individual of, of conviction. I think there's a lot, you know, and there's a lot where the, there's a lot of decisions that have to be taken that aren't popular or, you know, the ULEZ has been one. Um, and wherever you sit on the political spectrum, I think when people are committed and convicted through you know he's driven some amazing policies around um school uh meals free school meals um for children through holiday periods that um i think should be you know held up as examples um so yeah really interesting and i always find um and actually this is looping back to earlier careers um you know, and I was at the Office of Deputy Prime Minister, The that was John Prescott at the time. And people always kind of still ask me what Pres John Prescott was like. And I surprised people by saying one of the most intelligent people that I've had the pleasure of, of working with and sitting in a room. And 
there was somebody that was very honest about the fact they were dyslexic you know that was getting a you know it was words in a muddle I don't know if you remember it quite often um but I think one of the most effective communicators I've worked with because there was an honesty that people could relate to there um and um again somebody that was on top of their brief um and and going back to Sadiq and when you um and John when they're really interested in the people in the room they're actually really interested to meet the people that policy is affecting um so if you're in a room uh, with politicians um i always look to see if they're wanting to talk to the children to the teachers and and both of those examples Sadiq is somebody that really wants to know what policy can affect the individual at the end so yeah a huge amount of time with him and he's done a, a very quietly a huge amount for diversity um particularly around women particularly around um uh, ethnicity around um elevating um his board positions to be there they're really interesting the way they recruit for that so there's a huge our markets board um we have market traders within that we've had young enterprise people coming to share their experiences um and they are full board members they are not you know just advisors to it they're full board members it's it's um it's the way forward for me i think that you know picking as you said everybody has something to offer and you have to make space for people within the room for them to to feel like they've got a place at the, the virtual and literal table so yeah i've got i've got a huge amount of time for him and it continues to be i'm looking forward to the board the board has got another three years of its tenure um looking forward to some of the results of the work that we're doing about um trying to demonstrate the social and cultural impact that market spaces can have within the city of london Fantastic. Well, yeah, I look forward to seeing how that continues to evolve, really, Kate. Great, great one to be um to be heavily involved in for sure. So yeah, fantastic. Kate, um, I'm gonna to come to the last few questions now, but before I do that, where can people connect with you best? Um, is it LinkedIn? Is yeah, it, LinkedIn. How people... Yeah, LinkedIn for me is the best one. I'm 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 on there frequently. I've made a lot of connections with that. So Kate Howell at LinkedIn, um, do have a look for me. Um, love to connect, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. That's great. So, Kate, you, you've obviously worked with some incredible people and some amazing businesses and continue to do so. Can you think about the best piece of advice that you've been given personally through through that journey that you've been on? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I should have asked you uh, earlier with this. And I'm going to go. I'm going to say it anyway. And we can I might bleep. It comes from my mum and it's not. Um, and it comes from her Auntie Mavis. So in my family, it's remember what Auntie Mavis would say. And it's don't let the buh grind you down. Um, and I've taken from that. That's been applied throughout my life. Um, you're not going to get on with everybody. But if you understand and you surround yourself and you continue working relationships with the people that share a value set that you enjoy working with and you can give something back to, you know, I've got a I've got um, I mentor some of them. I mean, some of the, the the level of upward management that goes on with mentoring. Mentoring is a two way process. It's never one way sharing. I have learned so much. And those through, you know, those are my people um, that I and they are friends as well. Now, you know, you, you've got friends within that and you're going to encounter people through your working life that just don't share your value set. And that's OK when they start to impact you um my mum always reminds me still what auntie mavis would say which is don't let the butt grind you down you can say it it's okay so don't what auntie mavis would say. grind you down come on i, I was like 
don't let the bastards grind you down. Just don't. Um, there, there will be other people that are more your people. Perfect. Great advice from Auntie Mavis. Wow. Lovely <laughs> shout out. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Very, very good reminder for anyone that's listening, I'm sure. So wonderful. And Kate, you know, when you think about this year for you, you've got a lot going on. Um, if you could describe this year in one word, what would it be and why? Change. App change. Um, and the possibility that brings. And that's, you know, slightly terrifying at times. And it's um it's so invigorating and it's so exciting around the potential of um new opportunities new people um but change on quite a lot of fronts and sometimes um I think life does that to you it's not just one area you know there's a lot of changes um having having relocated um uh, you know getting back to Swansea as I need to and want to with my parents um and this this big change in my career so yeah change fantastic well I'm excited for you as well and um yeah I think the best is yet to come Kate for you that's Aww. my feeling thank you <laughs> absolutely wonderful so the title of this podcast as you know is brave bold brilliant what does that mean to you Kate being true to myself being true to myself I think that's the bravest thing and I learned that um through, I mean, this has touched when I was thinking about this. I was thinking about being brave, bold and brilliant. And I love alliteration. And I thought, yeah, what does that actually mean? When I was coming on, I was thinking, yeah, it's being true to me. And I worked with an amazing lady called Nadra and we worked together for a very short period at Borough, but it was during COVID lockdown. So we were remote working and it was a, a, a relationship and now a friendship that um was solidified in that really intense period so we didn't actually Nadra came to work for my team at Borough Market um heading up um the communications function um I think we only met a couple of times it was lockdown but we were on the phone and zoom for a year's period and she really influenced me in terms of being true to yourself she is a very very values driven individual who I admire greatly she heads up the communications directorate now at Nordoff and Robbins, which is a great music charity. Um, and through that lockdown period, it was really easy, I think. You know, it was a really weird time for everybody. And I think we're all still kind of recovering from it. And you didn't have your usual touch points, you know, whatever that means, your team, your office. And Nadra said something to me one day, which is, and I've used the phrase throughout this podcast and chatting to you, um, your people. That phrase came from Nadra. She said, you, you know, you're one of my people, Kate. You know, we can we can work together. We we share a value set. You're one of mine now. You're not going anywhere. And I thought, yeah, that's being true to you. And it's and it's and then you will find your people within that. And I love that from her. And I use it regularly. And Nadra needs to be absolutely credited that she she's one of my people. I feel like you're one of my people. Um, you know that when um you just connects with people so be true to you and you'll you'll find others so yeah that that's what it means to me being brave enough to 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 be driven by your value set because if if you're not you you'll you'll be out you'll be out of sync and you you won't enjoy it you won't enjoy your career choice you won't enjoy your job in the way that I think you can if you're able to align yourself with the value set that you're working with amazing what a way to end 
Thank you so much, Kate. If, honestly, we have been such a joy. You shared so many amazing pieces of advice and golden nuggets there. So, yeah, and absolutely, I'm proud to be one of your people, Kate. Thank you very much. <laughs> proud to be one of yours as well. Thank you for having me. It's been really enjoyable. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.